1: Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Derek Clifford. Derek is a multifamily real estate investor controlling 400 plus apartment units who retired from his corporate job in 2021. He is also an author and host of the Elevate Your Equity show. So thank you so much for being on today, Derek. Yeah, thank you, Charles, for coming on. It's going to be a blast. So give us a little background on yourself, both personally and professionally, prior to getting involved in real estate investing.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'll keep this as brief as I can, just so we can get into some of the good stuff uh, later on. Uh, but yeah, so for, for me, I was born in California, in Los Angeles. Uh, my dad moved us out for high school for me uh, and my brother uh, out to Colorado. So I grew did a lot of my growing up in Colorado and went to go on and get an engineering degree in Colorado. Um, Then I started working for, um, a gas company, an oil and gas company in Texas, uh, and then eventually found my way out to Washington state and met up my, my wife, uh, there actually I met her in Texas and then relocated to Washington where she was going to school, um, while she was getting her doctorates. Uh, and then, you know, I, I got into project management after getting disillusioned in the engineering field. Um, and then, you know, uh, moved to the Bay Area, lived in the Bay Area for several years. And uh, I'm sure we can get into this a little bit later on, Charles. But now, um, as of last year, we sold our house uh, in the California Bay Area in the middle of COVID, uh, out in the burbs, right? And uh, now we are traveling the world. We're, We're living out of a couple of suitcases now, literally Uh, we're in Europe for four months. This is month two of four. And we have one carry-on bag and one backpack for each of us. And we're making it last for four months. And we're actually throwing stuff away every time we go from place to place, which is awesome. Um, And so we're really loving this lifestyle um, uh, personally. And then really quickly on the professional side, um, it kind of interweaves over with the with the personal side, but, um, We started investing in real estate while I was a project manager out in California. Um, And really kind of like the beginnings of that was starting to happen in in the engineering when I started to get disillusioned with um, having to rely on a employer for my sole source of income and having them determine what my my worth was worth. And so it really didn't stick with, it, it didn't sit well with me. So I started educating myself. Um, and and buying single family homes early on while I was working a full-time job. you know, I was in California buying stuff in the Midwest uh, and then eventually ran into loans because you can only get 10 single family home loans. And then you have to either refinance them into a portfolio loan or get multifamily. Uh, And then in order to scale, I started doing multifamily, bringing in other people who didn't know what this was and wanted to find out more. uh, And then started doing syndications and started raising capital and, and started to get Uh, really deep in the commercial real estate space. So in a nutshell, that's both my personal and professional life.
1: Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I want to get definitely into more of the traveling and seeing what you're doing and how you made that decision. But um, I was reading in research for this episode that you purchased 13 cash flowing units in nine months while working a full-time job, which is pretty amazing. And now that we find out that um, it was time zones away from you where you're buying these. So what do you you need to change or give up in your life to make that a reality? Because that is running two full-time jobs and, you know, uh, married.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, um, I'm a big proponent of if the why is big enough, the how will get legs. Mm. Um, I was just so disgusted with my current situation in the job that I just had to make something happen. I may have, I may have cut out a little bit, but, uh, the i'm sure you've heard of dave ramsey before Mm -hmm. and in dave ramsey my approach was to basically save up as much money as i could and live off of four percent of whatever i could put in the stock market and uh that was my my main go-to until i found out how long it was going to take for me to, to actually achieve the life i wanted to achieve so i was constantly looking for this vehicle so once i found it um it took me about two years to get fully comfortable around what it is that I was doing. I was looking at bigger pockets, um, you know, talking with people about this, going to meetups, reading books, doing all the things that I could do. Um, And once I was ready to push the button, I had been saving up money. And like, I was building my network to really take some massive action quickly. And just like in any business, Charles, it's like, once you get one down, the second one is easier. And then the third one is even easier. And then the fourth is easier after that. And then, you know, by the time I had like my fifth or sixth property, right? Um, I had it down to like, I had in one email chain, my agent, mm-hmm. my insurance broker, my loan broker, my property manager, uh, and my contractor. And I'm like, all right, let's go for it. And then they all work together with each other. And so that's kind of how that ended up working out. So really just, you know, um, compounding that experience and going deep in one market. So staying really, really deep, uh, going uh an inch,
1: an inch. Uh, deep and not a mile wide, so to speak. So I have a question here with your team, because obviously you had a great team for doing this. How did you find your team? Because I think a lot of people that are investing outside of their hometown, let's say, um, it, they, you know obviously they're going to have to have a team. They're not going to be walking the properties initially themselves. They're definitely not going to be managing themselves or they probably shouldn't. How did you find all of your team members' um, referrals or were you searching online or a little bit of both?
0: Yeah, really great question. So it was actually a mixture of both of those. Um, later on, I'll get into the four Cs, which is like one of the most important things that that I can recommend to people who want to walk the same path or really do anything entrepreneurial. Um, but for me, uh, it was talking with people and getting referrals, looking them up and cross-referencing them on BiggerPockets, which is like this uh, forum for real estate investors that's across the country. Um, and really going into BiggerPockets and finding out who was adding value. Like the people that really like that knew their stuff that was like replying to people uh, and that were being helpful and and like reaching out. Those are the people that I wanted to meet with in person. So I literally made a list of all these people that were either referrals and or people that I looked up on bigger pockets or saw on forums online, or just saw the name over and over again. Right. Um, I put their name down on a piece of paper and me being a project manager, I dialed every one of them and tried to fit them into a slot in a visit that I had planned. To go to the market, I yeah. So I called all of these people um, and wrote down their names and just basically dialed them one by one and told them, you know, when I was going to be in town and had like a calendar right next to me. And as I was calling them and you know introducing them to who I was, what I was trying to do, the money that I had available to deploy, and what I was looking to do out there, um, I just arranged for slots and I literally had like three full days of like meeting with a whole bunch of people. And, you know, for every one property manager that I needed, um, I interviewed like six people, right? Um, and after like two or three, you start to get the hang of like sitting down with these people, take them out to lunch. And, you know, when you make these research visits to do anything in your business, it's all about the people. It's not about me just driving around aimlessly around the city, trying to find houses to buy, because I realized that if I found the right people, they live there so they can find the
1: property for me. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Did you ever have to change one of those? Um, Have you, you've had to change property managers or? Yeah. Yeah. Several
0: times. Yeah. Several times. Like, you know, with property management um, let's say that when you first interview them, like let's say they have uh, 500 units under management, for instance, and they have maybe five employees. Well, what tends to happen if they're not on top of their systems is that usually people stay within the systems they have and they just add people to a system. Well, if they double their business in two years, which is what happened to me with one of my property managers, now you find a company that has six people and a thousand units to manage and the quality starts dropping. So while they were good at one point in time, they weren't built to handle this this increase of business. And so now you have to kind of work with a different person. So, and then of course, it's like, the mar- landscape's changing. Like some PMs that, that I was working with before, thinking about jumping to, uh, committed fraud. Like they took all the, the security deposits for all the rents and they literally pulled that and went to Vegas with it. I'm not joking at all. They went to Vegas with their owners' security deposits that the tenants had paid, went wow. to Vegas, lost it all, came back and went out of business. And you can imagine the nightmare that that was for the tenants and also for uh, for the owners as well for everyone.
1: Wow, that is uh, quite the story. Um, I mean, it's just it's one thing with property managers is I've had some really good ones and then I've had ones that aren't as good. And um, <laughs> it's just um, and it's really just you know I we had one before with some smaller properties and they were like um, when they would get a request from a tenant they would like screen somehow. I don't know why they're taking calls through their cell phone, but they would screenshot because the tenants would always be complaining about everything. Cause you can just text someone. Right. It wasn't like call in and be like, Hey, this is an issue. We get taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then they would send me the screenshot. So you're like, Oh, well, what would you like me to do? Would you like me to solve this problem for you? Like, <laughs> like, okay. Like, you know, you have to, you know, like everything would be come through me and then you're like, I don't know why I'm so it's just like, it's just people don't know how to manage the tenants and they don't know how I'm like, you have a maintenance person, you would contact that maintenance person and have them go there. You know what I mean? And uh, I just people yeah. just don't know what they're doing. And it's, it's crazy. And uh, I got that person through a referral through a trusted referral, I would say, not a business partner, but through a broker that specializes from one of the large, if I told you the brokerage firm, everybody in the world has heard of them. And it's just, you just can't, referrals are good, but they're not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just, you you still have to do your research, right? Especially, you know, in a business
0: like this, Charles, where it's very people-based because, you know, what we do in real estate is, is people like, it's very personal. You have people that are living in your unit. It's a very personal thing. And then you have people that are managing that unit on your behalf and, if there is an emotional situation or like an escalation between the tenant and the property manager, and there's some beef that gets generated there between the two, because these are people, right? Something's going to fall through the cracks. There's going to be some sort of retribution. It's, it's a very human thing, is what I'm trying to say. It's a very human business. So the more that you can exude like this level of contentment and happiness that goes all the way down to the tenants, the more harmony that you're going to find in your real estate investing. And that's
1: profitable for everyone. Yeah, you're, you're definitely, exactly, you're definitely managing tenants. And then on another thing, you're managing the property physically. And there are two yeah. separate kind of bodies that have to be, you know, so it's it's just a, a good property manager, as they always say, is worth, you know, everything because, and it's a thankless job because no one ever calls. I never called my property manager and go, you know what, you're just doing a great job. It is. But no one does. I mean, no one does. And it's just like a joke within it real is. estate circles, but you really should do that. But um, it's just something that... Um, I don't know just how it is, but, um, and then real estate, you'll have some, you know, uh, managers have their own kind of, I've seen before, uh, what they, what they like, what they're good at. Some are really good at cl- uh, collecting rent. They're not so good at like dealing with inquiries or repairs. Some are not the best on putting their foot down with collecting rent. So it's like, you know, you have to find someone and usually larger firms with like a night with a full-time office, um, that are have a lot of local properties around yours is really the best. You know what I mean? And that's what I found. I would
0: agree. And also someone, um, a property manager that has the same values as you. Like for instance, if if your property manager um, has a little bit more like leeway in dealing with tenants than you do, like let's say you're like, you know, your personality and you want to run properties with an iron fist, you can be like, yeah, you know, if they didn't pay, if they paid $699 on a $700 per month rent, evict them for that dollar that's there. Like, I want to see every dollar, right? Even though, you know, their their mom is going through chemo or whatever, right? Um, there's a line there. And so if your property manager thinks one way and you think the other, that could cause conflict, right? So yeah. it's just really important to know who your property manager is as a person. And by extension, in some way,
1: they will have an influence on who enters your property too. Yeah, yeah. and then the other thing too is that, like you said before about, uh, because I'll see it with a lot of nicer properties, the property managers will not accept partial payments, right, kind of like what you were saying. And it's like super important that you are having a manager that's managed. You have a C-class property, have a C-manager that has C-class properties. I want to drive by those properties. I want to see what they look like and I want them to be close to mine. You know what I mean? I don't care about when they're renting it, they're going to rent one property before me. I want them, they drive by my property when they know exactly the tenant base that's there, they know how to deal with the tenant base, they've been successful with the tenant base, and then you know you have, you're going in the right direction. And that's one thing I find too, where you can't have someone that's going to, you know, like you said, Six ninety nine and seven hundred in C class, you'll never make money. You know what I mean? Right. Um. Maybe in an A plus, you have that kind of thing. Maybe you know, but that's a whole different demographic. So one hundred percent. Yeah. But um. So let's talk about you. You briefly spoke about it right now. What you're working on? Um. You're a full time real estate investor now. You're traveling, which I want to get to in one second. But what is your company's current strategy and criteria for investing?
0: Yeah, thank you uh, for giving us the space to talk about this. So right now, we're primarily looking at properties in the Midwest. There's a lot of things happening in the local economy or in economies right now in the U.S. that gives cause for concern, obviously, right? At the time that we're recording this, it's, it's uh, hopefully you don't, it's okay that I mentioned it's, it's a little bit, it's like late June. Um, and right now, um, you know, the interest rates are going up. The Fed just announced a, point, a 75 basis increase um, on interest rates. Uh, to help tamper or or temper down the inflation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the uh, investor sentiment is starting to shift from more of a seller's market to kind of a buyer's market. And so we have to be really careful what markets we pick because whatever we do, we want to make sure that we're buying right because the risk is high right now. So we like the Midwest just because the price per door versus the rent that we're getting for that door It just makes sense. Like there's plenty of room for us to absorb a shock in rental income. Like, let's say, you know, the Fed cuts rates or the Fed raises rates, and then employers have to start letting people go. And so unemployment starts going up. That means that there's going to be less people available or more inventory that we have to compete with in the area, right? Because people aren't renting. so if you have that dynamic there, just in case that happens with our units, right? Then we've got room to cut rents and still be profitable for the investors. If you're working in an expensive market like Florida or Arizona or Georgia, where there's so much demand for buyers to come in and buy properties, they're running these things so lean, Charles, that like they're on interest-only loans. And this is these are things that you won't find out until you start asking questions of operators and multifamily is like, you know, what type of loans are they getting? They're like leveraging to the hilt based on these interest rates right now, and they're counting on record levels of occupancy, what happens if you go from 95% occupancy down to 90% occupancy because an employer shuts down or because people are leaving the market because it's too expensive because they lost their job, right? Now you're in big trouble because now you can't even afford to pay the debt payment because you're, you're running so close to the margin. Mm-hmm. So out in the Midwest, things aren't quite that hot yet. Um, we are starting to see some things like happening where it's a cash flow market that's turning into an appreciation market just because there's very little inventory. People haven't built out the type of it's not as sexy as a as a you know Arizona or Florida or Georgia or, or something like that. So uh, but I have a feeling that's gonna catch on. And so people that are really mindful of what's important to tenants right now, which is affordability, Midwest has got affordability. It's got amenities, affordability everything that a tenant or renter class would need. And so that's where we want to be. We want to be a place where there's going to be strong demand throughout any type of recession. So just to summarize a little bit more, we're looking for tertiary markets in the Midwest. Um, Individual properties that we target look for, we we project no rental increases or at least 3% rent increases over time. And we want the internal rate of return for the property to be at least 15% or higher, preferably 20%. Um, and then the cash on cash returns around 7% as well uh, on average for each year of a hold, which would be five-year hold. Um, and then the last important metric that we look at is if we only had um, about 60 to 65% of the economic um, occupancy in our units, could we still be at breakeven? That is what we target. We want to make sure that if market rents is a thousand bucks and we had to drop all the way down to 700 bucks, could we still at least pay the mortgage? That's what we look for.
1: That's great. There's some uh, very good, uh, great criteria and strategy that you're working with there in in the Midwest and a lot different than out there on the coast where you used to live. So (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Let's talk about where you used to live and where you're living now. So what have you, what have you been doing? You, uh, So you quit your job or you retired from your job in 2021. Um, What have you been up to? (laughs) Yeah. So we
0: um, are big fans of the three degrees of freedom. Um, To us, the three degrees of freedom. So as an engineer, every time you unlock a degree of freedom, it opens up a whole new world, right? Like if you think about one dimension, you can only move along a straight line. Two dimensions, you move along a plane, like X, Y axis, and then three dimensions. Now you've got all space, right? So every time you unlock a degree of freedom, you're adding a whole new layer of possibilities to your life. And so uh, what we did was during COVID, we worked on our location freedom, d- degree of freedom. So first we did location. That's something that a lot of people can do right now. You, know? um, you just work with your employer, say, hey, I want remote position. Some people fell into that, uh, but make that intentionally, seek that out. Um, And so that's really what we were looking for is that location freedom. And then next came time because we were able to kind of negotiate in our job that no matter how much we worked, as long as we got the results done at the end of the week, then we can get our stuff done. So that's also something you can do with the full-time employer. And then it was financial, which was next. And using some of that time that I was devoting to my full-time work, still getting the results done, but working on my side hustle, why we were locationally independent, that's how we were able to create this, this life. And where we are now, Charles, is um, we essentially sold everything. Uh, We sold our house. uh, We took all of our capital gains from the house and we put it into apartment complexes that are cash flowing and paying us to to help us live our lifestyle. And we live out of suitcases. We're traveling around the world right now. And when we made that jump, we actually have less expenses, Charles, than when we were living in the Bay Area. So not only... Were we struggling to make this financial independence thing work when we were in California? But we unlocked it by selling the house and traveling. Because when you have your expenses here and your income here, and that dynamic shifts in your favor, all of a sudden life starts opening up a little bit more. So um, we're all about traveling right now. We don't have kids yet. And we know that that's going to be coming eventually. So we're just trying to like explore, be out there, enjoy what it's like to be out in the world. Um, and, uh, and continue to, uh, live a really fully, fully lived life, you know, one on business side and then one on the
1: adventures and, and a uh, relationship side too. Tell me about the luggage you're carrying. Just, you mentioned it earlier and I just have to hear this again. <laughs> so, you know, we've been, this is month two
0: of four, uh, in Europe and we have one carry-on bag and one backpack. And that includes mm-hmm. this computer and camera and stuff that I'm, you know, a power setup because everything in Europe is different than the US. Um, All of that stuff fits in everything. And we've like been to, I think we're at 40 Airbnbs now. Um, About 10 of them have been in Europe already.
1: So nice, that's fantastic. Yeah. My wife and I, we did six months of traveling throughout the United States, uh, starting at the end of 2021 and we finished up early 2022. So it's a lot of fun. I kept it in the United States. It was a lot easier, um, with, with having a dog and stuff. But, um, yeah, my wife is going to be a little difficult getting on with your luggage situation there. I don't even want to bring it up to her, but, um, well, as we're finishing up here, um, so tell us about, um, you, you talked about your mindset. Is that what you feel is one of the main factors that have contributed to your sex, your success? Yes, it is. Um,
0: I think one, one thing I have to bring this up is that the, the four C's, um, mm-hmm. these are the, these are the things that, um, really, I didn't know I was doing them, but is super important for people out there who are looking to start up something either on the side or just jump into something. The four C's is what unlocked the success for me. And the C's are consistency, clarity, coaching, and connections or community, right? Same thing. And for consistency, for me, what that looked like was sitting, finding a dedicated time in the middle of the day, which for me was getting to the office before all traffic builds in the Bay Area (laughs) and sitting in the office an hour before everyone else got there. And consequently, that was, you know, the, the Midwest was three hours ahead, so it worked out perfect. So I was in the office at six thirty or seven, and they were starting their day in the Midwest too. So that was perfect. Like that was how that worked for me. So I had a time block every day for me to work on my goals. And what ended up happening was I realized how important a coach was, you know, getting someone who could show me things that I could cut out, like I don't need to do or isn't important, right? And it giving me references community was just as important for accountability and seeing what other people were doing and teasing out ideas and getting partners to do stuff Mm -hmm. with. And then of course the clarity piece came out of that consistency too. Mm -hmm. So if you are dedicating yourself to an hour a day and you are doing something, you've got to have clarity on what you're doing. Otherwise you're not going to have the wherewithal to stick through that consistency. So no matter what it is, everyone has something different. Everyone, like for instance, you know, Charles, for you, you may like to really get super clear on your goals. That's going to drive the other three C's automatically. Or there may be people out there that just want to coach, right? That they really admire a coach and they want to be like that person. So that person will tell them to get involved and get the other three C's involved, right? And so my advice um, and what I was doing was in mindset is leaning into whatever approach, either one of those C's that best resonates with you. And that's the mindset you're going to need to help bring everything else up. And as soon as you do that, you know, as soon as you bring in one extra C, if you've just been working in one or two C's in those realms and you bring in that third one, your business is just going to skyrocket, right? You're going to experience a quantum leap because there's going to be an extra factor that you never knew about coming in there. So again, I think if the why is big enough, the how will get legs, but you have to know what actually
1: works for you. And that's why I like to break it out into those four C's because everyone's different. It makes perfect, perfect sense. Derek, thank you so much for coming on today. How can our listeners learn more about you and your business?
0: Yeah, Charles, thank you again for having me on. This was a blast and it was really short and sweet. Uh, But people can get a hold of us just by going to elevateequity.org or looking for our podcast wherever you look at podcasts. And the, the name of it is called Elevate Your Equity. So Elevate Your Equity wherever you listen to podcasts. And for um, people that are wanting to get a five-step blueprint on how we created this life, just go to elevateequity.org forward slash podcast gift,
1: and you should be able to get that blueprint for free. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Derek, and uh, looking forward to connecting with you once you're back in the States. Yeah, thank you so much, Charles. This was a blast. I loved it. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye.